Clay, it's a frequent fictional thing where if you're being interrogated, you're you're handcuffed from the ceiling and sort of your arms are up, just dangling there as people pummel you and mm. beat you about the head. Is that a, is that like a legitimate thing? Is that used? Is that is that done for any? Do you think that's like an actual good way to interrogate somebody or to like to prop them up while they do it? Or do you think there's a better way to go about things? Well, I mean, it doesn't seem very comfortable. So if you're going for maximum discomfort, it's probably it's, not a bad way to go. It's a stress position. It's just it feels like it's overused in um, fiction, I guess, to to the extent that mm-hmm. I, I know that there's pictures of Abu Ghraib and everything like that where they they actually put people in positions like that. But it just seems. It seems like it's at least the Star Trek de facto position for interrogating with uh, Chain of Command, Picard being hung up by the thing. And then in this one, Azadi Prime, Archer gets the treatment. I don't know if they're, yeah. they're going for that or something else, but it is it is what it is. Let's, um, it, uh, it feels like it's a, it's a uh, vulnerability thing. But I mean, if you really want to go for vulnerability, they never show anybody like chained face face down ass up on the floor no because that's no. Very, it's very scary i don't know what's going on back there at that point you know whether or not you're going to get a boot or something else or you know there's no there's no uh there's no loud music being played basically they i, I guess I, I don't know the timeline here about when those pictures would have been taken whether or not enterprise would have been would have been aware of those things but no no sly references no political statements from enterprise shocking to say the least in the zadi prime mm. let's take a break we'll play a clip from the episode then we'll come back and we'll break it down it may seem odd to celebrate the completion of a weapon particularly one designed to destroy an entire planet but recall the words of an written some 50 years into the great diaspora Without a world of our own, we are but children lost in the wilderness. One day we'll emerge from this wilderness, and our work here will ensure that we'll never be lost again. To a new era for all Cindy. Azadi Prime is the 18th episode of the third season. came out on March 3rd, 2004. It is 10 out of 13 in the Temporal Cold War arc, 19 out of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc. Teleplay goes to Manny Cotto. Story credit goes to Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Manny Cotto, directed by Alan Croker. In Universe State, sometime in January 2154 and sometime in 2550-ish in the future. In this episode of Zadi Prime, the crew discovers the Zindi weapon and plans to launch a suicide mission to destroy it, with Archer insisting that he be at the helm. But when Archer is captured, he must convince Degra and the other Zindi leaders that humanity is no threat to the Zindi. Meanwhile, the Zindi launch a heavy attack on the Enterprise that leaves the ship defenseless and almost destroyed. So we get some. We I, I think we arrived at the fireworks factory, literally and metaphorically, mm. in this episode. Yes, lots of shots fired. Um, first thing, minor issue. I always like to get these out of the way. Why? Why, when they show up at Azadi Prime and they can see the star mm. and they can see all the ships inside there and they're like, there's a lot of ships in there. Why can the Zindi not see them immediately was was a question I had because the Zindi seemed just as yeah, good, but know. it was it was a relatively minor thing that hung me up. I was like, why 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 do they think they can't see them? I guess that's a Star Trek problem, but it there is was, what it is. There was a couple distance things that didn't quite 
track for me where it's like they're far enough away that the Zindi can't see them. Um, but it only takes them 25 minutes to fly that little ship from the Enterprise down to the planet. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know how fast that thing is going, but like, I feel like it would take 25 minutes just to get through the atmosphere. That's a good point. Um, I wonder how long, because they're, they must be way out there because they can see multiple planets and they can see the star. And I imagine it takes a shuttle a long time to go that distance. Otherwise, you'd be shuttling yeah. around. Good point. I didn't even think yeah. about that. But yeah. whatever. Uh, it, it, uh, the, this episode is, uh, kind of going off of what you said about the, the torture thing. It's a nice return to form actually of of a, an enterprise trope they haven't done in a while which is archer getting captured and having the shit kicked out of yeah well <laughs> i asked because there was i think there was another interrogation episode with archer where he was seated and i think archer would prefer to be seated mm. and beaten while he's being interrogated than to be stood up by the handcuffs from the uh, the ceiling type thing azadi Prime. i'm surprised i'm surprised that he wasn't sitting in this one and then standing in the previous ones cuz that seems like a definite thing where it's like by the fifth time you do it, it's like, hey, what if I sit? <laughs> do I really need to be standing for this? I mean, isn't it scarier if I'm sitting? I think um, some comedian has a bit about Steven Seagal doing an action movie. And it's not a bit. It's like a story where he, or he was working with him or something. And Steven Seagal mm-hmm. just like the director and the action choreographer come in and they're like, Steven, we've we've laid out this incredible action sequence for you. They're going through it to like explain it to Steven Seagal. And after they go through all this whole production of how they're going to film it and all the moves he's going to do against these guys, apparently, according to this actor, Seagal's reaction was just, uh, how about I just sit in this chair and the guys come at me and I just kind of, I kind of swat them away. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's the stage that Archer's at with his interrogations, at least in terms of uh, man, the Star Trek universe. The man knows his strengths, I guess. He does. It's going to sell. People are coming for Steven Seagal's latest direct-to-DVD movie. They don't need to see action sequences you get, in it. You get big enough, you could start doing that stuff. Like Marlon Brando showing up on set and not knowing his lines, so they just write them all on giant cue cards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you develop a certain amount of clout that you can be an asshole and get away with it as much as you want, I guess. And I guess that ties us nicely into... Archer here? Maybe, maybe not. We're sure. we made it to the we made it to the Zindi super weapon. And there's a bunch of Zindi ships defending it. Um mm. I think that Azadi Prime is an interesting episode because it is it is a decent enterprise episode that is a bad Zindi arc episode, I think, at the same time. So it's I was this was the most I think that I've ever gotten my heartstrings or some vestigial part of emotional capacity triggered by Enterprise, which the show hardly ever does to mm-hmm. me because I think it's so um, workmanlike and that I don't really, I haven't really bonded with the crew. And I think this this episode showed me that I've only just sort of bonded with this crew because, you know, when Archer's doing all the, the whole stuff that has to do with Archer going on, I kind of feel like, oh, this is okay. Like, this feels like it's going to be something important. And so it works somewhat as an Enterprise episode in and of itself. However, my biggest point walking away from it was, boy, I wish we'd spent some time with the Zindi getting getting to here because <laughs> it's really just they, they lay out 
they do they reveal like ninety five percent of everything about the Zindi here? Like, there's we know that they have yeah, tensions with each other, and we know that they don't really know what's going on. But this was the only time we've spent with the Zindi where the kinds of intra Zindi relationships that I feel that should have been happening in every episode to this point where the reptilians are kind of, you know, talking to the other species and like, it's clear that they don't really trust each other, but they're doing this working together because they think it's for the best of them, man. If they just showed us some of that stuff, maybe this turn of Degra being like, you Zindi reptilian bastards. Like, what have you done to me? That maybe that would have landed. I don't know. Am I crazy or are we just missing too much Zindi scenes before this one? No, I, I would agree with that. Uh, this also has a little bit of um, what they what they did in uh, Avengers Endgame, where they rehab the weak weak entries by making them really important. Where it's this one, it's like, oh, well, when they get, that Detroit episode in retrospect is now important because right. it's a key <laughs> to the underhanded nature of the of the reptilians. Uh, we see how they, it all fits together as a big puzzle. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was good. I, it had some stuff I really liked in it. Um, I think blowing up the facility is probably the best thing they've most intense kind of thing they've done all season. Yeah. Um, most compromised really, that Archer, or the most compromised yeah. that Arch has been put in a uh, compromised situation. Yeah, it's... <laughs> The the only bummer to that was that like, it seems like it should be a big deal, but after he does it, it's like well, moving on to the next thing. Yeah, um, they don't really spend any time with it, but uh, uh, and I guess I guess you could argue that it, it leads into him, you know, that list of things he reads off as to why he needs to go down and do this mission. Um, but yeah, the Zindi stuff it is it is a lot very quickly. I mean, not only do we get all this. Uh, the interspecies tensions. We also jump 400 years in the future and learn about what they're doing in the future and how they're connected to, uh, to the, to the Federation and all that kind of stuff. And I was, did you feel like that scene with Daniels should have happened like six episodes ago? Um, I didn't really think about it. I hate the scene with Daniels sort of like I, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cheap. But I I don't. It was. Go ahead. Yeah, we can talk about why I I don't like it. But why did you? Why did you think it needed to be earlier? Well, it seemed like the kind of thing where we spent the entire season, the two of us, going like, I don't really know what's going on here. Like, why are they doing this? What's the catalyst? Why do we care about any of this stuff? I feel like if we had had this scene earlier, it would have kind of crystallized everything a bit more i mean i obviously the stuff with the sphere makers and stuff is is information that you get later and kind of makes that stuff a little bit more interesting but just this the idea that we kind of had a better idea of why the zindi were doing what they were doing and what the what was driving them to do it i I feel like could have helped i didn't i'd include Um, that with my complaint about there's no not enough zindi scenes leading up to it like i I guess i'm sort of lumping that in with uh, the sphere builder stuff being lumped in is to the motivation of the Zindi or at least see like, I think they drop a hint that the person that told the Zindi is a she. Cause they say, they say they mentioned like the female gender pronoun for some reason, I think they, in reference to that. Yeah. They, they mentioned that she quote unquote uh, could have helped 
could have been the one that sent the reptilians back in time to Detroit. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah, we, we don't know. And but I, I just I don't. Is it Gene Simmons? <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if it was. I think a lot of my problem with the Zindi storyline, including in this episode, is the way that they paced it out, and we did not get mm. to know the Zindi whatsoever in a, in a way that like. Remember, like in the DS9 arc where the Dominion takes over the station, half of the episodes for the next six episodes are Dominion-only scenes. It's Wayun talking right. to Dukat and right. stuff like that. And you're like, oh, I get kind of a sense of what's going on. Dukat is able to deliver a couple monologues about why he feels the way that he feels to Wayun. And Wayun is kind of like, well, this is a peculiar guy, but I, I guess we have to work together to do this. Here, it's just the Zindi are so empty by this point that... All they have to rely on is you've met Degra before, and Degra doesn't even know that he's met Archer before. It's just right, like, right. and honestly, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember him telling him about his third child that died in utero. Did you remember that? <sighs> wasn't the wasn't the the, the th- third child question one of the triggers that because he didn't know it right away or something? I don't rem- I didn't remember that story whatsoever. I and I, yeah, I, I, I was disappointed that I did because I thought it would have been something that I'd remember. And it's a, it's another small problem. But um to get back to your Daniels thing about the Daniels thing I agree. Because knowing that would have given Archer a little bit there's a little bit of a more interesting narrative arc to me because we had done nineteen episodes or whatever of Archer being angry and the crew being angry looking for the Zindi. It would have been nice around episode nine or ten to have the truth be revealed to Archer. And his search then takes on a more desperate notion because he knows that the Zindi are not acting in clear headed intent on their part. So there's a there's a yeah. little bit of like a tragedy of if I don't get to these people to tell them to not destroy Earth, they will have done it because they will just be pawns in a plot, which may, which actually feels a little bit mm-hmm. more weighty than these guys are just bad guys and I have to go find them and I have to tell them to stop being bad guys. So I would have liked it for that. Honestly, the the thing about the the um Daniel's subplot in the Detroit episode, which was the last time we saw Daniels, Daniels didn't know jack shit about anything, and he couldn't tell Archer anything. And in this one, he brings him in and tells him everything that's going on in the future. He's like, Archer, there's these sphere builders, and they've created these spheres, and they're trying to play the Zindi off against you. You're, this is a bad time. You're gonna, they're going to destroy the Federation. You're the only person who can do the Federation sort of thing. I, it drove me a little bit nutty because I hate the Temple Cold War and I really hate Daniels about how loosey goosey they are with this guy about what he knows when it needs to be revealed. And it's not even that he's <laughs> coy. It's just that he does not know things sometimes. And other times yeah. he 100% knows what's going on. It, it drives me a little bit nuts. Yeah. Daniels, the trouble with Daniels is that he has no um, agency other than what the writers need him to do in any given scene. So, like, there's no – when you get a scene like we have in this one, there's nothing baked into it where Daniels is like, listen, I'm not supposed to t- I'm not supposed to tell you this. If I tell you what happens in the future, it could destroy the space-time continuum or some shit. Yeah. You know, there's no – there's nothing to Daniels. Daniels is just a mouthpiece for exposition to explain how things link together. And there, there's no – so there's, like, no real tension – 
built well, into he his character because it like you're saying it changes every time he shows up sometimes he knows everything sometimes he doesn't know anything yeah sometimes he can't do things sometimes he can just pluck archer into the 400 years in the future yeah <laughs> yeah it's I think my problem with him is that when he reveals information, there's no sense that he's playing a game greater than what Archer is aware that he's doing. Right. He's just like, exactly. now this yeah. is the episode I have to tell you that this stuff is happening. So here you go. It's not that he's been waiting for this moment and you're like, oh, Daniel's playing the 40 chess on Archer over here. Like, this, right. this, yeah. this makes sense. There's, no, there's nothing interesting to him to make anybody watching this go maybe is he telling Archer the truth? Like Archer's yeah. taking a lot on faith here. I mean, like <laughs> he's been jumped. He's been jumped 400 years into the future. He's taken uh time travel as a fact due to his experiences, but still like, why, how does he know Archer from, I mean, how does he know Daniels from anybody? Right. Like what, why does he trust anything that he says? Why, how does he know they're on the fucking enterprise? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, it's, yeah. it's just like, there's no, he, he takes, uh, after, after he kind after Archer kind of like accepts time travel, all the tension in those scenes kind of go away because it's no longer like, you know, do we need, do I trust this guy is what he's telling me true. It, it's, it's just sort of like, well, I don't like that. <laughs> I guess I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agreed. I I want to blow him up. I came all this way. You tell me I got to talk to these guys? <laughs> I, I I think that I really did not like I know that it's always been involved because Daniel's the reason that they're on this mission is because of the temporal cold war. I understand it's kind of baked into this. I really mm-hmm. dislike the temporal cold war tying into this at this point. A, it's giving Archer a messiah complex without him actively taking it yeah, on, but yeah. he is now the the key cog in whatever happens. I just don't. We haven't gotten a sense that I. The, I sorry, I was just reminding. I, I really liked in that scene on on Enterprise J when uh, Daniel starts talking about the Federation, and Archer's like, "You keep saying Federation." What is what? Are, what are you talking about? I was just imagining if someone like came back in time. And told me about how I was really an integral in the creation of FIFA, yeah, or just like some other <laughs> unit of like conglomeration that meant nothing to me at the yeah. time. It's like I, what I, syndicate? What kind of syndicate? Right, television. It's, it's not. Um, it's all. It, it's as you say. It's it's part of Archer just having to buy into this. It's a. If this were Discovery, we would call it more fan servicey because they're they're the writers are referencing something that Archer would not really understand. But the people watching the show go, "Oh, the Federation! Like that's that's extremely yeah. important that they should be doing that." It feels a little bit more natural yeah, here I, than in Discovery, but I still yeah. don't. I don't like. I don't need this Zindi arc to be greater than what it is at this point. It doesn't need to be any, like, I don't need to know that the ramifications of 400 years in the future, the sphere builders are going to be doing something that causes huge bubbles to pop up in space and you have to fight in bubble bath or whatever. But like, I would just keep it, just keep it contained to what it is because making it this yeah. epic story hasn't improved it at all either. I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like, that anything's changed. You know, you, you've spent the entire season, more or less, dealing with this concept of revenge and does killing the Zindi 
make make the humans any better than them like there's a lot of that stuff in the air you know archer goes through that list of you know awful shit that he did to get to this point do you really need a future war to to get to the heart of the decision he has to make about um whether or not he should blow this planet up you know like they, they just they just came off of a scene where he because of necessity given what they're doing has to blow up some facility on a moon and probably kill like 500 people or something Mm -hmm. do you and then they kind of just like brush that under the rug except to use it as an excuse to have the the zindi guys come out and check out what's going on do you really do you do you really need more than talking about that and what he just did and what it means and kind of like the culmination of this theme that they've been dancing around for the whole season in order to get archer to the conflict of do i do i go on this suicide mission and may and do the same thing they did to us or do i try to talk to these guys i don't really i mean i guess i i guess it's a little bit hotter it, it like things are a little spicier if it's like you need to talk to you can't blow them up you need to talk to them because if you don't talk to them then you know, Marty, it's your kids. Your kids are the yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. It feels a little. It feels like it's it's abandoning the the themes they've been kind of playing with up to this point. Um, and like, I'm I'm wondering, does a scene where where Daniel shows him how the expanse has expanded into everyone's pants that. Uh, <laughs> that's more exciting or more rousing than if you had a smaller scene between Archer and T'Pol or Archer and uh, whoever, yeah. where they kind of hash out the shit that's at stake here. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess on... It's definitely on, sexier. Do you see that sweet black tube suit he was wearing in the future? Daniels. Yeah. That's Daniels. Yeah. Is, uh, Daniels is ribbed condom outfit it's, makes his reappearance. Uh, He's 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 doing he's doing two days on Dune after this is over. He's, his, that's his still suit. He his hair, to his haircut isn't as ridiculous as it was the first time we saw him in this. But that's his that's his future man. God, man, I still. Oh, if only that character were Mayweather, it would be so much better. Yeah, well, yeah, to have him be a member of the crew and everything. I um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I, I guess that I, I liked this episode, and I think that. It's another one of I, I I just sort of watched it and felt vaguely connected to what was going on, but I never really mm. felt it never really hit me in any kind of way outside of like the most basic of narrative levels. Like I the scene where Archer said goodbye, honestly, all that really made me think of is I was like, you know, there's like a there's like twenty two episodes of this show left that we're covering. How am I going to feel when the show ends? That was the only thing that was going through right. my head. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to feel anything when the show ends because I don't care right now that Archie's is going to go sacrifice himself for this thing. And I think that that's the core of my issue with Azadi Prime. But I, I think that outside of that, it's just been... The greatest weakness of this to me is that we do not know the Zindi very well. We, we barely know mm-hmm. Degra. We know that the reptilians and the bug guys are bad, and we know that the 
werewolf guys are kind of in the middle and mediators about this whole thing. And the aquatic people are nowhere to be found, even though they're underwater in this aquatic base. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're, they're, fair, they're fairly limited in where they can be at any given time, but they are mainly underwater in this episode. So you think they would Can't be Can't find them. But I just like, I don't know. I, I think if, if they had played the season of Degra, getting to know Degra, and Degra was truly conflicted in some way and that you got to know him a little bit better and you saw more of this like Zindi because I feel like the Zindi in some ways are more representative of America in this 9-11 allegory where they are different parts of society disagreeing with each other about what the best thing to do is and like the the reptilians Mm -hmm. are the more hawkish ones who are like we got to blow the shit out of these people the monkey guys are kind of like, well, I don't know about this. And, you know, and then Degra's in the middle, kind of the voice of moderation. And that would have, that would have been even, that would, it just would have been more interesting. It, I just feel like you got, you get, it's not even that you get a lot of information about the Zindi in this. This is, it's just a lot of scenes where they're, they're talking to each other and you're like, wow, they, I guess they've been talking to each other this whole time. Only now we're getting the insight into it. But I, I really think that this show missed an opportunity to, um, to have, while Archer's on his vendetta of justice to show the other side of the coin and show that it's actually more complicated over there and that there is a lot mm-hmm. of different things going on that Archer's not aware of and that colors your view of what Archer's doing on his own at that point. I, that's just better writing to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I actually had the same thought that the uh, the the if you're going with the one-to-one allegory that it actually kind of felt flipped in this one where the... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Where the uh, Zindi did feel more like America than than uh, Starfleet did at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and it, it's it's tough too because a handful, you know, five or six episodes ago, however long it was, we spent an entire episode convincing one guy from the Zindi group that maybe he shouldn't put the bullets in this giant gun. Like right. we spent the whole episode trying to convince this guy. Maybe this is the wrong thing to do. And in this one, it's like, I'm a time traveler. He's a time traveler. <laughs> well, well, that changes everything. Yeah. I, we, <laughs> you know, we hadn't considered time travel as being a fact. Put, 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 put the council together so we can completely destroy our entire culture because this guy <laughs> handed us a coin. And uh, that he said is from the future. <laughs> I like the it's it's the the real flimsiness of when there's no emotional core to your story. There's some real fl- like I I always think about our conversation about the DS9 episode where uh, the Dominion is coming through the wormhole and they have a debate about to shut down the wormhole. Basically, they have some like techno babble about this is how we're going to do it. But the the core of the scene is do you destroy this very important connector between two distances and like this very important right, network right. that will allow things to, to explore the universe better here. So Archie gets this coin thing and they re they bring up, the, they bring is back. That this, a, is that a obsidian slammer <laughs> from the pog series? The, the Zindi pog series. <laughs> it's Pre weight regulation rules, so this is obviously from the year twenty seven fifty two. I just I got this from your ancestor four hundred years in the future. He was using it at recess, and he was destroying everybody else in Pogs at recess. 
they bring up that quantum dating thing again. They're like, this quantum mm-hmm. dating tells you that something's from the future because the numbers on this device are negative, and that means it's from the future. <laughs> and then in this one, so already you're like, all right, like that's some bullshit techno babble that I'm just going to buy into. But then Degra goes, well, quantum dating isn't always reliable. And I go, what the fuck? Like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, then what are we even doing here then? <laughs> Why did you bring it up? It's it's just, that's it's a, it's a flimsiness of writing when... When there's nothing it's there like, to distract like when, me. Yeah, it's like when people go, "Well, it, it's called the theory of evolution." Yes, it, you know, theory of it gravity hasn't been proven. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird because like it, they do hopscotch that stuff really quickly, and you know, obviously they haven't. They're they're breaking this up over two episodes at least before they really kind of start turning things, but like. I think I think the, the the thing that saves it is since we have met Degra before and they do give him a little bit of time here to kind of let us inside his head as far as where his sympathies lie or or at least where his reservations lie about all this kind of stuff. I think that goes a long way to help it, but it still does kind of feel really rushed where it's like he doesn't know who Archer is. Archer's yelling at him saying he's a time traveler. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no real reason why he should be swayed to pull the pull the stop lever on this entire on their entire society just based on what Archer's telling them. No, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's more that they've like especially well, I was just gonna say, especially like if Archer had had gone to them in peace, that says so much more than if you if you caught imagine if you caught a guy robbing your house mm. and you're like, "Hey, you're robbing my house," and he's like, "Well, actually, I'm a time traveler, <laughs> so um, I need you to help me rob next door because the future of your life and the world depends on it." Yeah, it's. It's true. It's almost more like the Enterprise lucked into finding Degra, who is the one Zindi that is convincible with very little rationale behind the convincing. Like, he's the Mm -hmm. one who's so torn about what he's doing that the minute Archer shows up with his future coin, he's like, well, I I now have some reason to abandon this plot that we're doing here. It's really... I think it's it's funny that I, I haven't really realized and I don't, I won't harp on it too much longer but it's just there's there's no there's no reason to care about that scene. I was just thinking while I was watching the scene where Degra and Archer are talking, imagine if these guys had known each other in some real sense. Right. And they like this was the scene where Archer could finally get through to this guy and it's not a scene of Remember me and Degra going, who the hell are you? And he's going, it's me. I, I, you told me about your unborn child and on this planet. Yeah, he's like, I haven't told anybody about these things. It's just telling, it's so weak. Telling me intimate secrets about my family is not the best way to uh, convince me you're not some sort of spy <laughs> or, or have my worst, in- your worst intentions. Having an affair with my wife or something would be my go-to. It'd be like, hey, mm, you know yes. all this stuff. How do you know about my wife? But that's that's it. I think there's more to talk about in this episode, and we've been going for a while. But I think what I, what I like about this episode, I think, is that it definitely it's definitely at least getting to the action point. So there's like a point of inflection here where something has to happen, and right. I do like the way that it ends 
with the Enterprise attempting to try to like, well, they're like, well, Archer got caught. We have to just go through and see what happens. And then the Zindi ships are just uh, running running riots on the Enterprise by the end of it. And some very some very good Enterprise ship destruction sequences and some very bad where the, the ceiling thing falls out above Mayweather and just hangs by like a couple of wires. Man, he keeps getting hit by that ceiling pan. They really need to bolt that thing down. <laughs> Other things not crazy about, although it's making me wonder... Something's up with T'Pol that his memory serves. She's been more emotional for a couple episodes now, but I don't know how long I'm supposed to go back there thinking. But something's something's wrong with her here. Um, And it's it's okay, but it's also... It's... I don't know. I have a hard time thinking about this one. Like It's it's hard to have that T'Pol thing also be in this episode at the same time where when archer's leaving she yeah, gets emotional about yeah. it and i'm like this feels like a distraction from this stuff like i don't want this to happen now mm-hmm. is there do you have a better way of describing how i feel about that or did you feel differently um i thought it was kind of weird i actually was curious how you were going to feel about it because i i it did it did seem strange that she gets so emotional well at least it's at least they're consistent with what they've shown previously in that alternate future that didn't happen, where mm. once again we find out that T'Pol would be a terrible captain yes. if you put yep. her in charge. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is it is it is really weird. I, I'm, I'm But it's not just emotion, right? Some, something's something's I don't know. up with her. Yeah. I, I would assume so, but uh, I wouldn't put it past them to not do anything with that and just have it be that she just really likes him. Oh, really? Um, oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I, I hope not because, like, they, they do some certain stuff, like, you know, they do the big zoom in on her eyes at the end. Yeah. It kind of, <laughs> It's either something's up or she's, like, having a nervous breakdown or something and, and she's going to be a very different character on the other side of this. Um, the strongest point in your like, favor but, is but, that she's emotional before... She's been emotional from the start in a weakness kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a criticism I've had of the character from the start of the series where the Vulcans in general are too emotional in this series. So I don't understand if they're going to make a distinction here. It's it's going to seem like it's some kind of course correction or something that's going on where they're mm-hmm. recognizing a problem with her, but I what it did for me is it, it ruined the the it ruined the moments for me because it was not a sincere release of emotion, in my opinion, as I was watching it. It's not that the trauma of losing Archer is so powerful that T'Pol is breaking down. She has some medical condition or something like something's wrong with her in, right. in this, in this yeah. episode. So it, it's, it's, it's not even the, the fact of the sacrifice is so the sacrifice is so powerful that T'Pol sheds a single tear, you know, as Archer walks off into his, mm-hmm. his death. So that that was that was another downside. Well, I actually, I I actually thought they were going to do the thing, and hey, well, hey, they might still. You never know. Um, I thought she was going to get jumped out of time, and they were going to do some sort of like, let's go back in time and fix that. Like Daniels was going to grab her or something because she mentioned that you know, uh, Archer talked with her a little bit about the Daniels thing, and 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 he's like, so you've come around to time travel. And she's like, well, I was in Detroit for an entire episode, yeah. so I guess yes. Yeah. Um, and so like I, and it did seem so weird that she was so incapable and so overly emotional 
that it seemed like it was leading towards some sort of adjustment or some sort of twist with that. Because otherwise, if it's just how she is, it's it's not a it's not a great look, honestly. <laughs> if it's like so in this show, you know how you know how Brandon, you know how women are too emotional to be put in charge. Like you, you, well, some people say that. Uh, Rick, well, yeah, you know that's the case. But so we're gonna have a in this show we're gonna have a female Vulcan. Oh, great! So she's gonna be really cool. No, she's gonna be more emotional than anybody you've ever met in her life. The most emotional person on the show, and she's gonna crash the ship as soon as she's put in charge because she's too emotional. It's like that's not great. You know? Gen- <laughs> so gender knows no boundaries between species. It's just I'm, I'm sure this will yeah, run it down. Uh, yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully there's something wrong with her, and it's not just you know, um, <laughs> there, unfortunate, unfortunate, intense stereotyping. I think I think that must be the case, but it, it's a letdown for it to happen here. I think for that to, that to be some mm-hmm. kind of re- reveal, I just think it steps on toes of the Archer storyline. Um, I don't. We've we've been talking for a while, and now I'm getting nervous. I I don't know if I. I don't know if I summed up this episode well enough. Like, what? I also go ahead. B- go ahead. But before we go on, I I do want to clarify that um, while I may I may not care about in, in, in impl- impl- implying that uh, Rick Berman is a very is a lecherous man, mm. I I don't want to libel him or or slander him into saying that he is a misogynist man. <laughs> so everything I just said was a joke. I'm no badge. Of, I may be a. I may be a homophobe, but I'm no bad debater for all the peep show fans out there. Um, I do you. I, I I might have skipped asking you how you generally felt about this one. I'm I have a hard time just thinking about this episode by itself because while I was watching it, mm-hmm. I it really just made me th- rethink the entire season so far to this point, and it felt like it was getting to a point where things are going to start to turn. And while I thought this was good, I was not like, oh man, this is this is picking up right here. Like this is definitely going to to do something. And I don't think that the arc of this Zindi season is it I don't think it has another gear to go to, really, at this point. I think that from this point mm-hmm. we're gonna have a sequence of episodes, just my guess, a sequence of episodes where they have to convince the Zindi and it's a race instead of a race to find the bomb. It's a race to convince the Zindi of what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, the second gear is the sphere stuff, right? Cause sure. that's, that's the only pivot. I, well, it's probably two things. It's probably, uh, the, the the reptilians are probably going to split off and become the antagonist at this point. Yeah. And they'll probably end up, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the next episode, it ends with the rep, the reptilians all crowding into the weapon and flying off with the weapon <laughs> themselves. <laughs> you know, while everybody yeah. else is like, well, we didn't have time to get a quorum on this. And apparently they've taken advantage of it. Um, so it's either going to be the reptilians are the the next gear and it's like okay we've convinced the zindi now we have to stop the rogue reptilians from blowing up earth or whatever they're going to do with the giant death star yeah um or 
the next gear is the sphere people and the sphere people who <laughs> apparently have uh, some sort of mastery or or involved in space time uh decide they're tired of waiting and they need to do something now instead of just yeah. like waiting going, for going forward in time that. or backwards in time yeah I get the but, sense that yeah, the sphere it, it, people are so powerful. If they show up, it's game over for the Federation. You know, so I I can't see it getting yeah. to a point where they're actually allowed to come into this universe. I, I I wonder if they'll just exist as a kind of. I'm, I'm I would hazard to guess that the guy oh, that we yeah, saw they're like transdimensional or transdimensional something. or and like it, what what it was giving me is that the episode gave me a lot of the. Uh, they are the dominion of this other universe that if they were to come through, it's not good news for us. And they have to work on building the expanse to make it habitable for themselves or whatever. I'm fairly sure the guy that we saw in Harbinger, that alien is one of the sphere builders. That would make sense to me. Like if they look like that guy, but I could imagine you not seeing them ever again. Or if you see them, it's like yeah. a very limited basis. So I, I I'm not, a, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bunch of like, tentacles with robot claws like in uh, Picard that come out of a hole where, in space time. That's where it all started. This is where it all began. I I don't know. What do you have to say about this episode? Do you have anything? Like I, I feel like we've been talking for 40 minutes. I haven't really gotten into it, but I don't know where to start because mm. I, don't, I don't feel that there's anything. <laughs> there's no... I was a little bit disappointed that when we got to the first episode that it felt like something was happening. The underpinnings of it are basically the action spectacle, and it was not a kind of like interesting conversation or conundrum that Archer has versus the Zindi or anything like that. It's really pretty right. straight ahead, and it ends with a semi-effective moment of the Enterprise getting obliterated as they cut to black. And yeah, that's the end. That of was it. pretty good. Yeah, you know, that's about that's that's yeah. It. It's overall, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I for for being a payoff episode for what they've done in the season, I think it actually works okay. Yeah. Um like I didn't I didn't find myself going like, "What? This doesn't make any sense. Where did this like all the stuff that they they're using all the pieces, right? Yeah. They're not they're not creating new pieces to explain stuff. They they might be doing a little bit of reverse engineering, but they're not pulling stuff out of their ass that we've never seen before to explain stuff it's all it's all pieces that are on the table um and have been for for the whole season so i didn't feel like it was it came out of nowhere or there any explanations that didn't really work it's just yeah that i think i think for the season we've been watching it works pretty well could it have worked better if the season were shaped differently i think yes but uh, f- for the show that we have, I-, I do think it's a pretty good episode. And uh, <laughs> we, I was watching it uh, with my girlfriend while we were having dinner. And um, after it was over, she goes, uh, so that wasn't a very exciting one, huh? And I, I kind of paused and she said, it might have been because I wasn't paying attention or that I was on my phone for most of it. And I was like, yeah. And also the stuff that they were talking about was all like stuff season long stuff so yeah. if it's if you haven't been watching the show i could see this not being very interesting yeah um yeah but yeah it's i think it works decently well i think it's probably the the crutches that they have in this one are probably like the better versions of some of their crush crutches like i think the action stuff 
is a better version of some of the action stuff than they usually do. It doesn't feel as as tacked on. It actually feels like there's some stuff going on. Yeah, I do think it's a little bit first draft to have Archer decide to go blow them up, and then he just gets caught. You know, yeah. it feels a little stock to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think there's a more interesting answer there somewhere. Um, but yeah, overall, I think I think for for this point in the season for the for the show that we've been watching i think it's i think it's a pretty good episode yeah i wouldn't disagree do you did this make you feel anything about this arc like technically i would Um, agree with you that it's all fine i don't think that mm -hmm. they i don't i don't think they made anything up i also would argue that i don't think they pushed themselves very hard to get the story to this point so it's i'm not like I'm not amazed by the web of plot lines that they wove together to arrive at Azadi Prime, and I go, "Wow, there was actually a lot going on there that I didn't realize." It was all fairly point A to point B, and that will result in this maybe done two or three times over, and then and then you get there and you're like, "Okay, that's fine. You didn't screw anything up, but it's okay." I just I did you feel for Archer's sacrifice that you know he's not going to die. But the episode, mm-hmm. I think, is really playing up. They have a goodbye sequence where Archer says goodbye to the crew and stuff like that. <laughs> where he's like, I'm not one for goodbye speeches, but, uh, well, I'm going to give you one. Here it is. Get ready for it. Did you know what I Be mean? Be explorers. I feel, this ep- I feel that the show is trying to go big here and go for the hearts, and it didn't hit me in the hearts. Yeah, all. it's... It's it, it it no not at all. It has the same kind of feeling as that that episode of Discovery where everybody like writes fucking notes to their parents because they think they're all gonna die or some shit. <laughs> oh, that's when and they jump like in the future, three, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was when they jump in the future, and it's like three quarters of the episode, and you're just like, what the fuck is? That? <laughs> I don't care about any of this stuff. Like, yeah. there's no there's no tension built into any of this. Um, yeah, it's yeah. That's why I think there's there's a there's an issue that I think needs to be kind of like rethought is because there is no there is no fear that he's not coming back baked into this decision. You obviously know something is going to happen, but what they end up doing is not particularly inventive. It's not like because you can you can do that stuff if you if if your endpoint is creative and unexpected. Right. You know you can have that sort of like I. Well, At least his t- goodbye speech was like mercifully short. You know? Yeah, I, I, I guess I would. Like, sorry, go, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, I feel like you can subvert that stuff and have it work uh, when when the outcome is a little less cliche than just. Well, he was going to blow himself up, but uh, but then he got caught. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's yeah. I I didn't I didn't really feel the the two. I the the. The most emotional moment for me was when he blows up that place on the moon. I thought yeah. they played that moment really well. Pretty well. I that, thought that was that's really a good, good moment. Yeah. I, and I actually also really liked the that when after he so this so this is an, an instance where where the emotionality of the sequence can work, but not in a way you're you're expecting it to, because you can have your Archer goodbye sequence. And everybody watching this going like, well, obviously he's coming back, but the crew doesn't know that, right? Yeah. So the the unexpected element isn't the goodbye sequence. It's what happens immediately after that where T'Pol has a breakdown. So, so, so T'Pol's 
emotions get to her or whatever. That's the unexpected element. And I actually thought that first scene where she, you know, runs off into the the ready room or whatever, I thought that was kind of effective. I thought that mm-hmm. was well, not not so much when she's been in there for two hours. Yeah, and then she won't come out. Trip comes in and she's like, and he's like, you know, you should probably be on the bridge. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, oh, okay, I don't. You're you're losing me here a little bit right, with this yeah. stuff. And then yeah. it just gets kind of like kind of snowballs a bit but uh but like that first thing where she like you know she has an emotional reaction to someone that she has grown close to yeah essentially going off to die yeah and so i i appreciate that and i think that works for her in that moment because she is kind of this whole series has been her as we you know you kind of said earlier they've been playing her as as a vulcan who maybe is not She's not ready to get the uh, glowy gem necklace that Spock was trying to get at the beginning of the uh, the motion picture. There, yeah. Um, what's what the hell's the thing? Is it colonar? Colonar, no. right? Yeah, the purging colonar, of emotion. Yeah, yeah. She's she's not a colonar Vulcan, you know. Uh, she's a, she's she's new, and so she doesn't have everything locked down the way some of the older older ones do. Yeah. And so that means that there are cracks in the facade, and eventually, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's interesting. I find that stuff interesting. So having the, a moment where she actually cries for a minute is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I, I didn't find his sacrifice itself particularly meaningful. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I think it gets undercut by when Daniels comes and talks to him, there's no real, well, I guess they have that one scene with Paul, but like it doesn't really feel like he's 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 debating both sides of the argument that much. It Archer. feels like he makes a game time. Yeah, it feels like Archer makes a game time decision because he's been tortured for a while that maybe he's going to try and talk to these yep. guys. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like it's a decision he makes. Yeah. It's a decision he's forced into because his first plan fucks up. Right. So that's that's where that stuff loses me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I my my final thing about it will be. I was I was surprised that as all this was going through and Archer was saying goodbye and Tapal's getting emotional and everything, I was surprised that I didn't really feel anything for the characters at that moment because it felt sure. like this was the sure. kind of point at this point in the show. This is basically how I would feel during a finale, which is not very far off. Like if if this is how I feel about it, I'm not going to look back on Enterprise and have this sort of. Uh, positive feeling that I think of when I there's, there's that feeling that once you forget the details of something, it's just like the 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 emotional memory of it. Like I have a positive emotional memory of DS9, but if I were to think about it, I'd be like, there were a lot of terrible Ferengi episodes and terrible Mirror Universe episodes and terrible things that happened in that, you know. But I I still fondly look back on it through fuzzy details. Enterprise, I don't think I would look back on because when an episode like this comes around. I don't really feel anything for the sacrifice. And what that made me mm. realize is that because I don't care about these characters at this point, it was a horrific mistake on the show's part. Not that they not that they didn't make this connection and they went the wrong way, but if if there is no character stuff that I've sunk into by this point, 90 episodes or whatever we are into this show, then the plot and the mechanics and the narrative stuff has to carry this season 
on the other hand. Like right. the Zindi stuff right. has to be super strong where these sort of cardboardy characters of Enterprise crew can be put into a situation that's so interesting. I, I have no reason, I have no choice but to go like, well, this is just an interesting situation that these terrible characters have found themselves in. But at least I'll have something going on there to be interested by. But yeah. instead we just have, I don't care about the characters. And then we go to the Zindi plot and the Zindi plot is like, those reptilians betrayed us? No! And it's like, well, this is not this is not very good. I need something else here. That's my that's my fundamental the evil, thing. The evil looking ones turned out to be more evil than we thought, and we already knew they were evil. Yeah. Yeah. Archer I do I did like um some burns against reptiles he, in general. Yeah. Your tiny right. peanut brain. He does <laughs> he does he basically does the uh dennis hopper sicilian speech from true <laughs> from true uh true romance but he uses reptilians instead um uh yeah the, uh, i did actually the scene when the three other three uh zindi the 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 monkey guy the werewolf guy and the two uh, degra and his other compatriot there yeah are talking about the time travel thing Man, three actors, fantastic voices. Mm-hmm. Like those three guys in that place going like time travel. You know, it was just it was <laughs> booming voices talking about temporal flux and stuff. Yeah. It was very enjoyable. It was yeah, very Star Trek right there. We can go to final thoughts. I think maybe the patrons will bring up something for us. Uh, but let's take a break. We'll play a clip from Azadi Prime. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about Azadi Prime. Continue. <sighs> Your reason for building this weapon is based on a lie. What lie would that be? That at some point in the future, humans are going to destroy your species. That is not a lie. You know about the spheres? Of course. They were constructed by transdimensional beings. Their purpose is to reconfigure the expanse to make it habitable for their species. That's what destroys the Zindi, not humanity. I've studied the spears. There is no evidence to support what you're saying. I've seen it happen. I've been to the future. 400 years into the future. You expect me to believe that? All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to our coverage of Azadi Prime. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the Penske files, support us there a couple of dollars a month. You get extra podcasts. We cover movies. We cover other series. We did the Battlestar Galactica miniseries the other month. We have the uh, Friday the 13th marathon going on with Clay and Amanda. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You can vote to see what we cover. All good stuff. You support the show. You get extra stuff. It's all good. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special thank you. So a special thank you goes to Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Cholog, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Christian Pouch, Nick Sergi, Cardinal Doomsday, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Darth Moss, Russell Elge, HH28, Stephen Minton, Dark Zay, Jack Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Patrick C. by Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Santuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Larry, Corey Martin, Nick the Rat, Matt Houston, William Scheisser, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Grapple John Zorn, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardot, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter's EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchaz and James McLennan, Beal, Lokai, Jonas, and Tuvix Must Die. Thank you very much for supporting us over here on patreon.com slash the Penske file. Um, yeah, before we go into final thoughts, hopefully the patrons 
trigger something in to me. I occasionally go. We I, we occasionally have podcast episodes <laughs> where, um, I feel I don't do a good job, and on reflection, sometimes I finally can pin, he admits it. Sometimes yeah, I, can I pin, sometimes I can pin down why I didn't do a good job, um, and sometimes I can't. And I think that this episode is having giving me a hard time for me to describe what I feel about this one. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the patrons might probably help, but it's like a, it's almost one of those episodes. I feel like I need to see a little bit more to be like, okay, maybe I get what you're, what you're trying to do here. Maybe not. Like if the Tapal thing turns out to be something, I go, okay, maybe that was, Mm -hmm. maybe that in, in hindsight, that improves this aspect and stuff like that, but we'll see. I just wanted to apologize because sometimes it's, uh, I feel like it wasn't good. This is reminding me a little bit of uh, um, on the, not the next Rotten Horror, but the one after that we do Quiet Place Part 2. Um, and Amanda and I, we spent most of the episode going like, I liked it, but I don't know. It just, there's something about it that just doesn't work. And we we spend most of the time parsing that out and kind of like, not really saying great things about it, but then being like, but I liked it and it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know where the disconnect is. I, I always wonder if I just haven't thought about it enough, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Sometimes it's just an episode that sneaks up on you. Let's go to the patrons thoughts and they'll see what they see what they say about this. Is this the first one? Where's the first one? There it is. I'm going to move this window over just so I can look forward at the camera. Do, do, do. Azadi Prime, Matt Ross. These are comments from the patrons at the $5 and up level. You can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes or read them. Matt Ross says, Azadi Prime, we finally get there and it turns into Daniel's ex machina with what looks like an etched Necco wafer. To me, it was a shame that the story needed this time travel angle to get the giant ball and deifying Archer. Archer's martyr complex is maybe for his bad decisions like not launching an assault team to take out an unarmed base that flies into the bad guy's view in four hours. Enterprise getting its ass kicked and seeing the CGI bodies fly into space, although is sadly exciting, clearly shows that Earth is never a threat. This episode needed to be expanded to have more detail instead of the last two throwaway stories and jamming in Zindi drama and Archer getting beat up again. Two Necco wafers out of five. Kalb, uh, no. A lot of people mentioning Azadi Prime. Royo says, there are dramatic stakes, strong character moments, meaningful decisions with consequences, and people on both sides being killed in battle. This vision of Enterprise is practically unrecognizable. Archer actually feels regrets for the unethical things he's done this season and wishes to atone for it, while Daniel's time travels in as the angel on Archer's shoulder, reminding him the Star Trek show isn't supposed to be about blowing things up to solve your problems. Archer's first instinct is to destroy a Zindi outpost, and the Zindi choose to repay that decision with interest to the Enterprise, resulting in crewmen being blown out into space to die horrific deaths. Most impressive of all is that there's no reset button. Enterprise will bear the scars of Archer's decision until she can, she can return all the way to Earth for repairs. It's clear they had a compelling story worthy of a miniseries, but they tried to stretch it out to a season with loads of filler, and they ruined the Zindi arc in the process. Four and a half out of five. Yeah, they lost a lot of people in this episode. Yeah. And there was like Ten people who you see get sucked out of the space. Sucked out, yep, yep. Latte Librarian says, if only Daniels had died for real that first time, they'd never brought up time travel again. That would have been great. Two punches to Archer's face out of five. 
Kyle Barrett is Eddie Prime is the swift kick in the backside that the Zindy Arc needs and sets the season on its final stretch of serialized episodes with real energy and aplomb. What's past his prologue with the episode doing away with the mystery and laying all the information gathered on the table so, uh, so gathered so far onto the table, allowing for exploration of the storyline rather than just endless teasing. My favorite part is the other Zindy being just as confused about the events of Carpenter Street as the audience were, the callbacks <laughs> making it seem like this was a plan all along. The literalizing mm-hmm. of the submarine action that has always been a staple of the franchise since the beginning was also a fun detail. Even the appearance of Daniels in the worst costume in Star Trek history on board the worst designed enterprise in Star Trek history can't stop this enterprise from being an absolute cream cracker. Five out of five. So <clears throat> I want... Do you get five out of five? You gave it a five out of five, yeah. Damn. Uh, I wonder if the problem is that... The exposition that they lay out, like like he said, they they stop beating around the bush and they just kind of give you everything in this, right? But what they're giving you isn't really news, you know. Like it's not. No, there's nothing. There's no revelations really, in this episode. Yeah, there's no revelations. Ex- I mean, even the stuff where they jump into the future, the 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 takeaway the takeaway from it is don't blow them up. For reasons that don't really make sense to you, but trust me, don't blow them up. Sure. You know, it's it's not, and it's and it's it's not really any different than the stuff he he's been hearing before about like how important the Federation is and blah blah blah. Archer should have brought back that Zindi crewman from the Enterprise J. I know, just bring the dude back. <laughs> Why not? Um, Would have been helpful. Sorry, but, go ahead. But I, I wonder, I wonder if that's it, where it's like, it's it's kind of like. When a in a in a mystery story, when the audience is a is ahead of the main character as far as information, and then when the main character finally catches up, all the information he gets is stuff the audience already knows. Right. And so it's like, okay, now we can go into the climax here, but there's no. It's you're, you. We've we've just been waiting for you to catch up, and when you get there, there's nothing surprising us. Yep. And so it just feels like it's just kind of closing the gap for the sake of closing the gap. Maybe that's something. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you there. There is obviously ways to because there are, there are mystery stories where you know, like Columbo episodes, you know who the killer is from the very start. You know, mm-hmm. and it's about the sort of game of getting there. I I think that th- that's kind of my point about like if if you had known the Zindi for longer you could kind of know the villains before Archer is aware of it. And it just gives you a a little bit of a, a depth to that discussion. I just don't, they are, as Kyle says, they are laying everything out for you. I'm just not super, it's just not interesting to me. And that's, that's a very subjective mm. personal thing. It's just like, I don't find this interesting really. And I think that all the ways that they could make it interesting they diffuse by having Daniels there to say, you have to do this because the fate of the Federation depends on it. Right. They have the sphere builder aliens who are pulling all the strings and are just like kind of puppeteer masters for everybody. It's like, well, that's not even... Because once once the sphere builders show up, the conflict with the Zindi disappears. There's, there's, there's no ideology right. battling here. It's just two people with bad information fighting against each other. There's nothing really interesting about that. And I think that, that, that I would add that to the just the sort of piles of problems. Christian Pouch. Yeah, the, the sphere stuff, if the sphere stuff does end up being the next gear for the remainder of the season, it's a real rug pull 
on the whole Zindi arc at that point, if that's the case. Would you, you say? Know, I, they, I, I feel just, they've set it up enough in the past couple episodes where they've been explaining well, the I mean, they've Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm not saying I'm not saying like it's it's coming out of nowhere, mm. but it's like if if the if the rest of the season is okay, we finished the Zindi stuff. Now we have to deal with the sphere stuff. It's like you've spent the whole season building up to this ideological clash, right? And then to undercut it because Galactus shows up doesn't really do it any favors and kind of makes the everything you did to get there feel kind of cheap. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that's not what they do. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, I, I would say that I'd be inclined to say that you have to because you use the word ideological clash. But w- once the truth is known, there is no conflict between the Zindi and Archer anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like the maybe right. the reptilians, because they just seem like scumbags, they'll continue to, to want to destroy Earth for no particular reason. But this is not like if you wanted to make this a 9-11 allegory thing, if you brought a jihadist and an American together, there's no missing information that will cause a reconciliation between the two post 9 11. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the jihadist is driven by a desire to enact the will of Allah and however they're reading into religious texts. And the American is on the other side of that cycle. And there's no, there's no rational discourse that can happen between the mm-hmm. two of them at that point. Like the Zindi. The Zind- once the Zindi, once Degra scans that coin again and learns like this is all guaranteed that this is the way it's happened, all that conflict dries up. And I just I think that that's really that's a huge fundamental weakness to setting them up as an enemy or an antagonist at this point because you know keep bringing up DS Nine, but the the founders had an ethos. The founders believe something right. that was de- right. that was antithetical yeah. to what the Federation believes, and when you put them together, they're not just going to say, "Hey, you've convinced me. Good job by mm-hmm. you to convince me that the way I've, like that's not the way conflict resolution works." And but it will work here because the Zindi don't have a point of view about anything, really. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to. I do want to check you on one thing. I, I do think there's a point that uh, an American and jihadist could come together on, and that's Kevin Hart. Everybody loves Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. If we had just dropped Kevin Hart DVDs over the Middle East, I think we would have all been in a better place. Um, <laughs> a real kumbaya but it's, moment. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like what the Zindi essentially did is the same thing the Germans did in World War One. Which is they were like, okay, if this is going to happen, we have to strike first, and we have to do it this way. It wasn't. It wasn't an ideological thing. I mean, maybe it was for some people, but not for not for the the Germans specifically. It was just a we tactic, can't we can't fight goal. a war. Yeah, we can't fight a war on two fronts. So we have to we have to get France before anything else happens. Yeah, and obviously that didn't happen. And so it wasn't really an ideological. That's what makes that war so sticky is it wasn't an ideological thing it was basically just kind of like a disagreement that got way out of hand yeah so i I, yeah i i don't but there's still a drive i I don't i don't disagree with you though because yeah this this specifically is built off of information that the zindi is getting that is a puppet mastery in nature yeah. It's not like they just decided 
to go do this. They they're acting on on information uh, that's being withheld and blah blah blah. No, I mean, the- so yeah, it, it's kind of once once that information is now known to everybody, it's kind of like oh well, yeah, we're not going to kill you now. Obviously, we didn't mean to. It's, we didn't know there's another person involved, right? So. Yeah, boy, this egg on our face. We we really regret yeah. that attack. But earlier. it's yeah, I just it's such a. I mean, but doing that is just so underwhelming, though. You know, because sorry, it's like, do, like you're, you're saying doing what to, it, to pull them out it, and to have the Zindi just be corrected by Archer, basically. Yeah, yeah, because like you were saying, the 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 Dominion has an ethos, so there's actually stuff to really clash about instead of just like who got what facts, right? Yep. And it's it, it will be a bummer if they end up doing that and having it just be like, oh, so sorry, didn't mean to kill seven million of you. Is, I, we can work I, together now. I don't see any. We don't. I don't know anything about the Zindi other than what they're right, doing because right. they've been told by somebody to do that thing. Right. They they have yeah. no. I guess the I guess the honestly the only thing that we know is that they're looking for a home, which seems important to them. Logistically, it's another thing I where I'm like, see, how are they having such fucking trouble finding a planet? There's a billion planets that they can go to. But outside of that, it's, yeah, they that's flew, the only thing. They flew to Earth. You know how many planets you pass <laughs> when you fly to Earth? Or just take Earth. If they, we, if watch, they, we watch a show about it. They, they go by a lot of them. Give them the Earth, uh, the humans' motivation in Battlestar Galactica. The Zindi want Earth. They're like, this is the only planet we can live on. We have yeah. to take it from you. Sorry, but this is it. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. just something strange. Christian yeah, pa- I I can see them I can see them kicking the the sphere can down the road, and and doing uh rest of the season is good Zindies and Enterprise versus the reptilians and the sphere builders. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and then don't address the the sphere builders in a direct way until mm. maybe next season or something. Yeah, yeah. I would be I think that would make the most sense honestly because bringing the sphere builders in just like as a direct actual character feels like it's it's too much. Yeah. yeah. Especially you've only got like five or six episodes left, right? Yes. Yeah. Christian Pouch says, get Commander Dolan some burn cream and Archer a lesson on how dinosaurs aren't reptiles. A pretty good episode, but not without problems, like how Daniels is the worst temporal agent in history. Why is the crew upset about killing three Zindi, but an episode back they didn't care about 30 Zindi kids? T'Pol is acting out of her mind, and while there's some explanation down the road, oh, there we go, there isn't even a hint of it now, so it's just bizarre. Oh, I the see. reveal okay. of the Sphere Builders is unearned. Daniels just gives it to Archer. He didn't earn it, really. We end with the action again, but this time it's not the way to resolve the problem. It's the culmination of the low point of Enterprise's mission so far. Four out of five. Imagine, you say four out of five? He gave it a four out of five. Imagine instead of actually talking to Daniels, he Archer found that thing in Daniels's future room. Well, I yeah. guess they got rid of the future room when they did the retrofit. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you know, like something, something where instead of like Daniels directly telling him, the Zindi become part of the Federation. They are good guys. Don't kill them. It will destroy the Fed. Like he gets something that he interprets as this is telling me that maybe these guys shouldn't be destroyed. Maybe sure. it's. It's telling me I need to take a chance and talk to them. That way, it's a lot more abstract and unknown as to whether or not he's making the right decision here. And also, the the danger level is 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 still up, and it becomes then Archer's choice 
to extend an olive branch and not just because the the fate of the time stream yes. decrees that he must do it. This ties into a couple episodes. I, I think it was the Detroit episode about why I hate Daniels is because mm-hmm. Daniels is a temporal Cold War agent who is far too literal for what he is. He should yes. he should exist. Yes. <laughs> he should exist as a abstract, a, annoying character that is semi-godlike, but at the same time mm-hmm. doesn't say anything. So he he kind of acts like a prophet in a lot of ways. Like where, you know, if instead of this this sort of bullshit, it's really a bad scene, but this bullshit scene was like they're they're going to be in the Federation. The Klingons are in the Federation. For God's sakes, you can't you can't right, go killing yeah. people like that. Please go back and correct this, Archer, because we need them to correct the timeline. Imagine in a better written series, Enterprise would have a Daniels and Archer scene where there's a little bit of discussion about like, Archer's like, you have to fucking tell me what to do because everything is coming to a head and I have no idea what's going on. And Daniels is just saying, you know, the, the sort of cliche, come up with something better than this, but like the future's unwritten. Like right. anything I tell like, you. If I tell you what to do, yeah. You're no, you like Jonathan. It's no longer your decision. Yeah, this yeah. is your decision. The future's unwritten. There is a future possibility where Zindi and human are allies. There's a future where Earth is wiped out. Which which future do you want to create, Jonathan? And mm-hmm. then he, you know, flash the light and he disappears or whatever. But it's just awful to have Daniels be <laughs> this guy who just tells you literally what's happening, or he has no idea what's going on in in the universe. Mm-hmm. It's just very frustrating. I- I really like that bitchy version of Daniels that punctuates it by calling him John. Like, I don't know. What do you want to do, John? <laughs> That's the way I would have gone. It's just it. Yeah. You, you you can have a temporal agent who exists in the future, but I think that that character, just by storytelling logic, should not be insisting on a proper timeline. He should ha- He should exist above time in some ways and just be like, you know, this kind of ethereal thing that things will work out. It doesn't matter to me because whatever future I jump into, I'll make the best of it. You're living in the present right now, but I'm going to go to whatever happens from this and I'll find a way to get by. Point Extra G says, most of the time when a ship and Enterprise and Star Trek gets beat up in battle, they just stay on the bridge and show you. But in that final Zindi attack, Enterprise gets tore the F up. That beatdown looks brutal. Obviously, there's going to be a reset button on this and most everything involving T'Pol in this episode is crap. But that final scene makes it memorable. Nick Sergi says, this one kicks ass and leads to a strong run of very good episodes from Enterprise. I think we've been waiting since the first few episodes of the season to get to this point. Seeing the final battle, which had real stakes and real consequences, made it one of the best battles in Star Trek's TV run. Nick the Rat, final comment says, I wish the Vulcans' beliefs about time travel were held by the writers. Time travel can never be done right. Once you move through time, every part of your story becomes a silly, unbelievable fantasy to me. Trek uses time travel all the damn time, and sometimes it can be cute or interesting, but I always hate it. I wonder if Claire West think time travel has ever been done right by a show or movie. If they say yes, they would be wrong. The ships look great in this episode, and Tavall has clearly spent way too much time with humans. Who is this shadowy woman figure they're talking about? What happened to the shadowy man figure they started with? Four out of five. I would would counter that by saying, well, I don't think time travels ever, ever been done wrong yeah just because you can't know what is, is what, you mean? what is yeah what is what is time travel done right what is time travel you know, done for you whether <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is time travel done for you lately but you know what i mean it's like it's a it's a completely fictional concept you can do you can do it however you want yeah 
Although I would say Which maybe sounds it sounds like it's a it's a cheat, but it's like, well, you know. Yeah. It's it's a I I forget who I think maybe it was John Landis or someone who said like, how do you kill a vampire? They said, well, you know, you stake him through the heart or garlic. And he goes, no, however the fuck you want. They don't exist. Yeah. 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 You know, do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, time travel is just a metaphor storytelling device for things. And it works best when it's treated that way. Um, Yeah. We won't get distracted by like, um, I like Primer is a great time travel movie that I have to print out mm-hmm. the blueprints of how time travel works in that movie as I'm watching it to understand what the hell's going on. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. I still have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Mark mark of a mark of a great movie that you need a diagram it, to it, read. It, <laughs> but it's it it's interestingly it has a technical approach to time travel that's like fascinating mm. and also very confusing at the same time. But it, yeah. it's, it's it's I would recommend yeah. people watch Primer if they haven't seen it. It's only like an hour and fifteen I, minutes. I I saw it once a very long time ago, and I do remember liking it. I actually heard a lot of people saying that Tenet is very similar to Primer. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, at least in the in the the way that they approach time travel. Oh. And uh, from what I remember of of Primer, it seems like their approach is is very different. In that Tenet feels the need to explain everything, mm. everything, whereas Primer <laughs> didn't really explain, explain much. Anything. So. You go in the box and you sit there for six hours and you come out and you're in the, in the something happens. I can't even remember. You're, there's a six double version of you. Yeah. Um, thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Azadi Prime. Patreon.com slash the is where you go if you want to leave comments about Azadi Prime or any other episode coming up. You can't leave it about Azadi. You could. I won't read them. It's over. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what do you give Azadi Prime? Mm. That's really tough. Um, you know, I think, I think, despite my misgivings with it, I think I'm going to give it a four. Mm. Because I do think that, like I said, for the show that we've gotten up to this point, I do think it's a good episode that does kind of it gives you the fireworks factory. Like you can't, you can't uh, accuse it of of not paying stuff off when they finally get to the place they're going, you know? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the problems that I have with it or we have with it are, are larger than just the episode. Mm. I think they are full season problems. And um, so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give it a rating based on what I wish they had done for the previous 20 episodes or whatever number we're on. Yeah. Uh, so I think given in, in the, in the uh, uh, parameters of of this season of Star of Enterprise, I'm thinking I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, it's tough. I there's a couple of people in the comments, Matt Ross, lots of librarian who gave it twos, and mm-hmm. in some ways I can see that. And yeah, I I don't disagree. I I also don't disagree with the people who gave it fours. Kyle's five is insane, but I don't disagree with the people who gave it a four. Um, <laughs> You know, so it's kind of a strange episode in that I could see either a two. It's not like I'm wishy-washy between like a three and a four or something. I'm like, is this a two mm-hmm. or is this a four out of context? And yeah. I think your argument is good that you have to stick it to the episode itself and you can't go larger than that. And I am going to give this. 
I'm going to give this a four. I think it's a week four, which doesn't mean anything for my ratings, but I, I understand mm. everyone's complaints about it being a two and I semi share them. I think that the enterprise attack sequence at the end is pretty effective and pretty good. Yeah. And just because there's finally been a sense of a ticking clock to this one elevates this episode in a lot of ways where before it was just a vague, we're hunting the weapon. Where's the weapon? This one actually makes you, I, we didn't mention it in the show, but I, I actually really like the, the moment of we just have to charge in there now, I guess, like, and just try to right, do something yeah. like what else are we going to do? And I liked that. I liked Paul's bad idea of I'm going to try diplomacy that felt within character and stuff. And, I think that that was all well and good. Wasn't crazy about the Archer stuff. Hate the Zindi development to this point. But it's a fairly effective, as I said, it's one of the very few episodes that moved me a little bit. And I did feel a little bit of something for the general sense of sacrifice on the the crew members part of this. So I'll, I'll give it a four, a week four. And we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Thank you very much, patrons, for giving us your thoughts providing support. Thank you to everybody for listening. It's been a blast. Azadi Prime is over. Damage is the next episode. We'll be out with that next week. Um, Talked about Patreon. Clay, anything you want to say? Uh, If you want to check out Rotten Horror Picture Show, as Wes said on Patreon, we're doing our run-through of the Friday the 13th movies. Starting to think about what we're going to do to follow that up. I got a couple ideas. I think we might do like a Patreon poll and, and uh, get everybody else's opinion, see what they think. Um, we just, th- when this comes out, I assume we will be in July. So mm. we'll have up through part six available. And on the regular non Patreon show, Rotten Heart Picture Show, we will have Audition will have come out. And the next one after that is Quiet Place Part Two. Mm-hmm. Badass is still going. We're actually just over the halfway mark and badass it's actually a shorter season than the previous three so i uh, got a lot of stuff going on that's it for us with enterprise penskefile.com is where all the podcasts are you can find them on all the podcast apps and they're on the youtube channel if you're a youtuber the video is back on star trek congratulations he hosts the he hosts the late late show now right youtube he does yeah youtube youtube did yeah. you see that john stewart clip about the wuhan lab did you watch that bit no i didn't see it okay I, I i haven't seen it either um but i just heard strange things it was this john stewart going back on colbert that that show that they did i don't know i, I, I was curious if someone i know had actually seen it but i guess not um enterprise continues damage is the next episode and we're closing in on the end of season three and season four all the other star treks will come up eventually the discoveries and cars of this world and lower decks and i guess that's it Thank you very much for listening, guys. See you later.